You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds? Where it's the same year, and you're the same person, but everything else is different. And what if you can't find your way home? Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. We are here on issue 140. Chrome variant edition. (laughs) That's right. We're talking about... Well, you know what? We all went and saw uh, Spider-Man Far From Home this past weekend. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Not in the way that uh, we normally do, but we're going to talk about one of the characters. We're going to give you a 101 on one of the characters that makes its appearance in the movie. Mysterio, isn't that right, Chris? Yes, we're going to talk about Mysterio, one of the greatest Spider-Man villains out there. So we're going to share our love about the man behind the fishbowl. We're going to then eventually talk about how uh, the the comic book version and the movie version are different from each other. Isn't that right, Rafa? I mean, it's one of those things. Jake Gyllenhaal, one of the greatest actors of our generation, and we get to see him on screen. And then now when I go back and I read the comics, I'm going to see Jake Gyllenhaal behind the fishbowl. This is true. So when we get to uh, after the spinner rack, we will talk a little bit about our opinions on Far From Home, and then we'll get into a one-on-one of Mysterio. Just so you know right now, and I'll tell you again later, there will be spoilers for Spider-Man Far From Home. So if you haven't watched the movie yet, you shouldn't listen to us. Yeah, spoilers right now telling you. Come on. You have some common sense. Don't come back at us in the comments and go like, I didn't see the movie. Spoiler alert. La programa tienes mucho spoilers para de nueva de Spider-Man. Bienvenidos Latin speakers. Aquí estamos. I have no idea if that was correct or not, Chris. I think uh, it was partial. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. I, yeah. I, I figured Rafa would tell you if it was bad. So I, I felt it. <laughs> it, made, it made the Spanish come out of my mouth. Oh, they, oh yeah. they sure did. That's there because today... We're all going to be a little bit mysterious. Come at you from all but you know what's not mysterious? What comics came out today? That's oh, yeah. right. What's on that spinner rack? All right. It is Wednesday, the greatest day of the week. So let us go to our local comic shops and see what we've got. Coming at you from DC Comics, Batman issue 74 will come out. This will be the big issue right before Batman 75. So if you want to get a sneak peek what's going on, uh, luckily I was able to read this one early. And this is a great showdown between Thomas and Bruce. So definitely check it out. Go back and read some stuff because I think there's going to be some clues that we all may have missed. And it's good, too, because, I mean, we can all relate, right? Sometimes we get in de- fights with our dads. Yeah. A fist so, fight in the desert sounds right. Yeah. Sometimes you're both wearing bat cowls and you're like, Rafa, clean your room. You, you, have, you have to show, establish the dominance yeah. as they talk about in these days. That's how it goes. So, yes. Uh, let's see. Batman and the Outsiders issue three will be out, and this will be the nice cardstock year of the villain, the offer. So... Luther is going to come to Rachel Ghoul and he's going to give him an offer. So we're going to see what happens there. So if you're a Rachel Ghoul fan, that's the scene to be in. Now, I know that this is the year of the villain and, and this is what we're doing now, but like if you're Rachel Ghoul, do you take that offer? Like, I, honestly, I have no idea where, where, what the offer is. I have no idea how Luther makes that, uh, you know, uh, offer to him. But like, you're Rachel Ghoul, you've been doing this for centuries. Yeah. You know, probably almost a millennia. Like, do you. I mean, for lack of a better word, bow to Luther. 
I don't think he's going to ask him to bow. I, you know, you're right. He probably isn't right, going right. to ask him, but it's, it's symbolically, it's like... Well, yeah, like, you could have gone there without me. Exactly. Yeah, I think with the fact that Luther's been powered up to being, like, a proto-human Martian, whatever he is, I think that's what enables you to say, okay, fine, this time you're being a little bit more serious. Mm. Because if you don't rise with them, then you're against them. And with Luther... I mean, Luther's a sick mofo, <laughs> so I think this is the time. And plus, there's going to be an upcoming uh, Batman Rachel Ghoul six issue miniseries from Neil Adams. I don't know if it's going to be like real time or if it's just kind of like, hey, it's Neil Adams, let's let him play. Um, so, but I think this will launch from there. So, yeah, I, I see Rachel Ghoul saying, yeah, I better jump in on this yeah. because it's better to be on the inside and backstab him than have to face him to his face and backstab him. And also, he, he he might be desperate. I mean, he is an eco-terrorist, and looking at the way the world works, I mean, even here in Yuma, it's like a, a thousand degrees today. So it's one of those things, you know, where maybe he's finally like, you know what, got to do it. I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, right here from the solicit itself, it Save says, the trees. Uh, plus, ousted from the power and stripped of wealth, Rachel Ghoul is a broken man. So there you go. You know, it looks like uh, and Talia's probably off doing things with Leviathan. They're doing things. Yeah, so he's got to he's got to get himself back in the saddle. So, yeah. yeah, definitely. All right, all right. Moving along, man. We still get some more Batman. Batman Universe issue one of six. So if you've been collecting those giant Walmart books, um, there was a lot of uproar about them because it's like, hey, this is all new material, and I can't get it at my local comic shop. I got to go buy it at a Walmart. So there's a lot of this, that, and the other. But anyways, it's been made right now. So they're going to do these uh, miniseries. They're going to do a Superman, a Batman, a Wonder Woman, and a Titans one that'll collect that new material. So they'll basically put two of the stories in one issue, and they'll make it a six-issue mini. So you could buy those, or you could wait for the trade paperback, which is probably the safe bet. But I'm not going to tell you how to shop. I'm just going to tell you what's available. So yes, Nick Derrigan, his Beautiful art is going to be there, and Brian Michael Bendis is going to put words in those mouths. And yeah, this is just going to be a fun tour de force of the DC universe with Batman, and it's just it's fun. Like this is not continuity bounded, and it's just fun. So there you go. Perfect. Uh, Catwoman issue thirteen will be out, and this is basically where she's going to get her moment. What will Luther offer her, and will she take it or won't she take it? We're already on in Catwoman thirteen. Did, yeah. Did. Did, are they doing that two times a month? Nope. That's it's a monthly been a, book. It's, it's been, been 13 years months since, since she, the marriage or uh, almost or since the wedding. Yeah. Jeez. I know, right? That went quick. Well, that's what happens. Does, so heart. does when they do the Batman Catwoman book that Tom King is supposed to do, are they going to cancel Catwoman or is it going to be happening also? Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> I don't think they know uh, because that's one of those things where it's like, there's been no real push that if you're reading Batman that you need to read Catwoman. Like, they haven't been like, oh, if you want to see what her side of the story looks like, and then it's going to dovetail back into Batman Catwoman. Who knows? Um, so, I mean, I, 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 I always watch things from the fringe when it comes to stuff like that because, I mean, prices are very, very up there. So I would say I think the 13 issues have been great and just fun. But this 13th issue, this is going to be the one where it might come into play. But again, you know, this is all the orchestration of Bane and Thomas Wayne. So has she been a pawn of it? Is she her own free agent? I don't know. We'll find out when we get there. So, yeah. Uh, Books of Magic trade paperback is going to be out there. So for a lot of those people that love Tim Hunter, the original... uh, God, I almost wanted to say the original Tobey Maguire, but it's the original Harry Potter. (laughs) The original Harry Potter. So if you are a comic book fan and you love um, 
the Harry Potter world and stuff like that, and you want to mix those two things together, get this trade paperback, the Books of Magic Volume 1, movable type, and this will collect the first six issues of the new Vertigo series. So there you go. Detective Comics 1007 is out, and this continues. Actually, this will conclude the Spectre Dead on Arrival story. I find this one interesting because... Uh, from the looks of it, this feels very much the Golden Age Jim Corrigan Spectre. And, you know, the JSA have been off limits thanks to Doomsday Clock. So, well, you know, I'm, I'm very curious to see how it's going. So I'm going to have to try to read that before I go to bed tonight. Uh, Doom Control, Way to the Worlds, number one will be out. So I know a lot of people have been enjoying Gerard Wade's uh, young animal take on the Doom Patrol. So they're back and they're there. Get yourself some. Doomsday Clock, issue 9, gets a second printing. Oh, and by the way, I think we're on issue 11, right? Uh, upcoming spoiler news. Are you ready for it? You ready? Yeah, yeah. It's going to ship late again. Uh, <laughs> at I this know. point, is that even a spoiler at this point? Yeah, that's just... water's wet. Who cares? It is what it God. is. Uh, uh, still, though, I mean, last issue, let's go. Oh, man, 11 let's and 12, go. yeah. Just, just, I can't wait. Like, I'm still hyped. Uh, let's see. Event Leviathan, issue 2 is out. Um I, you know, I, I feel sad because this is the first DC event I'm not doing. I always get the damn events, and I just am kind of like, eh, you know, and it's no no fault to them. I mean, it's Bendis and Mavley. They killed on Daredevil. I guess I'm just, I'm finally tired of buying all these things that may or may not count. But anyways, I know a lot of people have been excited for this one. Why? Because Batman and the Red Hood meet up, and it's been a long time, apparently. So that's going to be the big stuff there. Uh, Flash issue 74 is out there so this continues the year one story and I think old man Barry's going to be in it as well so that's going to be the new trend no more year ones we're going to do old old person such and such you know <laughs> I mean it's going back to the whole the end like the last story of your yeah. your favorite yeah. hero but now it's just like oh, what, what do they look like when they're really old yeah, let's just put, put beards on them and can he still run fast yeah right uh, let's see, Green Lantern Hardcover Volume 1, Intergalactic Lawman. That's right, Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp's first six issues is collected in one of the nice hardcover pop copies that DC puts out there. So I highly recommend it. I, I've enjoyed this run. I've enjoyed these issues. Um, it's out there, so don't try to make sense of it. Just enjoy it. It's been great. Hawkman issue 14 is out, and Carl Sands. Who the hell's Carl Sands? That's the Shadow Thief, son. Shadow Thief, that's right. He's going to get the offer. I could have swore that was a, a font. Car Carl Sands, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's his cousin. <laughs> uh, let's see. What else do we got? Uh, Justice League Odyssey issue 11 is out there. Um, this one is also part of the year of the villain, the offer. So this is going to be interesting because... Who will Lex Luthor make an offer to? The cover shows Cyborg. So will there be some changes coming this way? I don't know. It's going to be to Tim Drake, who is the secret operator behind Leviathan. <laughs> Call him. Gosh, I'm down for that. They need to use that, that evil Tim Drake. He could team up with the parallax hell that's running around. And there we go. The or dips. this is the return of Superboy Prime. Bring, Shit, yes. bring him back. How would Superboy Prime be Leviathan? How would I mean, he, not? he punched the multiverse. Yeah, I, I get that. And brought Jason Todd he, back to he life. He doesn't have the 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 mindset for okay, detective skills. True. For, That's for, why they're also bringing back Alexander Luther. Now that I would believe he punched himself into a wall. Oh, and thus <laughs> gave himself powers and <laughs> brought him say. back. He's like, oh, shit, look at me. Because he was hella killed by the Joker and Lex Luthor at the end of Infinite Crisis. God, yeah, he was. But, I mean, people die from far less or <laughs> from far more and come back. They come back, yeah. So, I don't know. Calling it. 
If it's not Tim Drake, it's Superboy Prime and Alexander Luther. I'm down for that. I love those guys. Let's see. Naomi issue six is coming out. So this will end the first season. And this is the breakout character from Bendis's. uh, What is this stuff? Wonder Wonder Comics. So definitely she's going to have a lot of uh, input and a lot of play out there. Red Hood Outlaw issue 36 will be out there. This is also part of the Year of the Villain, The Offer. So it looks like Lex Luthor is going to go to Jason Todd and say, hey, dude. I got something for you. You're essentially a villain. Yeah. Just uh, come and join us. Yeah. Batman hates you. Oh, that, that hurts. It hits right in the heart. Uh, Supergirl issue 32. This is part of the Superman Supergirl team up still. So if you collect Superman, make sure you buy this issue. And guess what? It also ties into Year of the Villain. That's right. Or Lex Luthor gives her another one. <laughs> <laughs> I give you an offer. Uh, but uh, so on this one, we have the uh, Brainiac. We have him on the cover. So it looks like he'll be the one who's offered uh, some problems there. Superman issue 13 also ties into this uh, Supergirl Superman team up. So this is part of the Unity saga. Um, and this one's kind of interesting because the cover, the person who's getting offered something because it's year of the villain. God, we should get some uh, payment out of that from DC <laughs> Comics. But anyways, uh, Lois Lane is the one who's going to get offered something. So that's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. I mean, she is the one that blew the load on. Blew the load. Uh, what, was, what was the place where Wally killed everybody? Oh, uh, uh, sanctuary. 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 Yeah. I mean, that could have been handled better. Lois. A lot of that. Yeah, Lois. Handled better. Come on. Those are your friends, Lois. <laughs> yeah, right? Way to dick everybody over. Uh, this is a fun trade paperback, and I'm really surprised that it got printed, but I'm glad that it did. Trials of Shazam, the complete series. Now, yes, Shazam is the popular again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and uh, so it's cool to be Shazam again, and everybody's exciting, except the thing about this one is it's not Billy Batson. Billy Batson became the wizard. So when he got upgraded, then they took, oh, God, I just forgot his Freddy name. Freeman. Freddie Freeman, and he became the new Shazam. So I really like that. I like the spin that he put on the character and all types of stuff there. So this is a complete story, a done-in-one-set issue of the 12. Fantastic. I thought it was very fantastically done. Uh, Wonder Twins Part 6 of 6 is out there, so that's right. The Wonder Twins miniseries is done. Wonder Woman hits issue 74, so we're getting very, very close to issue 75. What will happen? I don't know. And Young Justice issue 7 is out. And, oh, yeah. Let's see. Uh, speaking of Tim Drake, guess what? New costume, new superhero name. It's where it all begins in this mm. issue. And they will be touring the multiverse. So I've seen from some of the, the art on Bendis' Instagram, uh, Kingdom Come. So if you're a fan of Kingdom Come or some so other dis- or DC shenanigans, you're just, to be. you're just sitting here telling me that Bendis stole my idea. I'm standing here and telling you. Don't tell the people what I do. Okay. No, yes. Uh, yeah, he, he actually he does uh, steal your ideas. Um, there, you see that camera behind you the whole time? I mean, we I do record all of, all of our comic book conversations and put them on the internet. So <laughs> this is my own problem. But uh, we had the idea of taking the old uh, Young Justice team and having them be dimension hopping. Yep. Like we had that two years ago. Two, yeah. three years ago. Hashtag Justice for Geek Elite. That's right. <laughs> Where are our royalties? Yeah. I mean, I knew that it would be a good story. It just... No, that's what's funny. Like, we've talked about some of these things. It's like, okay, we, we started putting down some ideas, laying some framework, and next thing you know, it's like, holy shit, this is what's happening. So are we tapping into the same stuff they are tapping into? Are they tapping into our stuff? Probably our stuff. Uh, but anyways, flipping sides, going to the other side of the fence. Marvel Comics is out. Age of X-Men, Apocalypse and the Extracts, part five of five is out. That's right. The Age of X-Men is getting near its conclusion, which happens next week with the Omega issue. So I'm very hyped for that. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man hits the 25th issue. 
So it's been two years of Nick Spencer being on the Spider-Man book. And on this cover, we see a lot of the villains, uh, especially they make sure to put Mysterio on the cover as well. And if you want some MJ action, this is where it's at. Yes, she's been kind of put in the background, but this issue, she's going to get a lot of cool saves on her own. But be prepared because this is a hefty price point of seven ninety nine. My God. <laughs> right? Holy guacamole. Uh, let's see here. Avengers issue 21 came out. Um, I was very hyped for this issue. This is one of the other books that I got to read early this week. Uh, it's a nice, slow, just... Like, you remember when the X-Men would save the universe and they'd be like, let's play baseball or basketball and just have one of those like slow issues? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They finally brought those back. I've been missing those. So this one is really fun. Uh, it's just the Avengers interacting with each other. Uh, I was definitely hyped for this one, though, because in the cover you have Mephesto up top being all devilish. Uh, and this is great. Why? Because issue 22 will begin the challenge of the Ghost Riders. I am super hyped about Ghost Rider in the upcoming year. Like, I just, oh, I can't. Don't even get me started. I'll move on now. <laughs> uh, Black Cat issue one gets a second printing for Black Cat issue two being out this week. Champions issue seven will hit out there. Decades, part of the Marvel's 80th anniversary trade paperback collection. This one will be the 2000s, and this will talk about the hitting the headlines. Uh, this is definitely a neat thing that Marvel was doing was they were very much leaking a lot of their stuff to the press and starting to get comics out there in the mainstream. So the cover features Spider-Man unmasking for the Civil War, which was a huge spoiler. It was on all the news feeds of its era. Uh, and the books collected in this one will be Ultimate Spider-Man number one, coming to us from back in 2000. Wolverine, the origin issue two. I, okay, I'm going to pause for a moment with that. Origin, I wish they never did it. I wish they never did it. But I'm guessing I'm now on the verge of the Joker, quote unquote, it makes sense why they had to, though, because if they didn't do an origin, if they'd left it cool and mysterious, then the movie studios would be like, let's do our own origin. Yeah. He his parents. Uh, That's whatever true. Dumb shit that Todd Phillips is going to do. So, yeah. All right. Anybody else want to rant or should I keep going? Keep going. <laughs> keep going, man. Uh, let's see. Ultimates issue one will be printed in there. So that'll basically be a lot of where you got your uh, Avengers from the MCU coming from. Truth, red, white, and black. That told us the, that told us the story of the missing Captain America. Astonishing X-Men number one. That's when the X-Men came back to their heroic roots. Civil War issue two, the unmasking. No, that wasn't even that one. I forget what it was. Uh, it was just issue two. Captain America issue 25, the death of the living legend. And lastly, Amazing Spider-Man issue 583. I don't know what happened. I don't remember. But what's neat about this trade is it's a bunch of parts of stories that'll make you want to go out and buy the rest of them with the trade paperbacks. But if you're just going for the decade theme, that's what's fun about them. They trick you. They yeah, show they, you all these cool stories. And like, I want to read the rest. I like, want go, more. Go buy this. <laughs> go buy these trades. Um, let's see. Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man trade paperback volume one gets collected. Uh, this has been a breakout hit with Tom Taylor, and it's been fantastic stuff. So if you really want to get some good Spider-Man, that's a book for you. Giant Size Ecstatic number one. That's right. A long time ago, they created this version of... Um, x-force and they were weird looking uh you go girl and zombie boy and whatever it was well peter milligan mike allred and laura allred they just got creative and they did some cool looking stuff and then unfortunately marvel was like it doesn't fit our fold so kill it and they did but it's back and it's giant size so if you had some love for that or you want to get some freaky deaky stuff that's definitely the book to go to Invisible Woman gets her own five-part miniseries, and we learn a lot about her secret history as she used to be an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. At when? this point, 
Who hasn't been in yeah, Agent but when, of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah, but when exactly was she supposed to be in Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? A time before between babies. Be, oh, so after sure. she got her powers. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. She wasn't Sue Storm, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was Invisible Woman, Agent uh, of S.H.I.E.L.D., which okay. makes sense because she's got a pretty badass power set. I mean, she, oh, she's definitely the strongest power. Yeah. yeah, she's the strongest one of the Fanny Four. Well, she's one of the most powerful people in the D- in the Marvel Universe. That's true, too. Also the DC Universe, I Some was going to say. say the whole Fantastic Four holding her back. Oh, definitely. Oh, that's that's a good that's a good talking point. Yeah, yeah. Dumb kids, dumb husband, <laughs> dumb fucking <rock> Johnny. <laughs> uh, let's see. She could go and live with Namer, and they could rule the world together. Right. Or she could also Whoa. go with with uh, Doctor Doom, Doom, and also rule the world. That's true. That woman is a hot es- essentially whoever she goes with, she could rule the world. Exactly. But but read keeps her in because I'm fucking brilliant. <laughs> uh, let's see. All right. Here's a neat one. Marvel Tales, once again, part of this 80th anniversary celebration of Marvel Comics. Uh, they're going to do their Marvel Tales reprint collection of Captain America. And in this one, we'll get Tales of Suspense, issue 59. That's right. That's the first Silver Age solo story of Captain America. So they redo his origin and add all kinds of neat stuff there. Tales of Suspense, issue 77, which gives us the first appearance of Peggy Carter. And then Captain America. Wait, wait, wait. So I had this conversation with someone earlier. What'd you get? I guess I don't I, I don't really know the history of Peggy Carter, but I know she is the great aunt of Sharon Carter. Yeah. Was Peggy Carter in the original Captain America books? Nope. She didn't come around until like 1959 or 1916. Captain America first appeared 19... 19- 39 or 1940. Okay, so... So she was retconned into being part of the Golden Age. So she but so she did, in her retcon or in her introduction in the 1950s, she was a part of Project Rebirth. She was there when Cap went uh, into the ice. I don't know if she went that far back to being part of Project Rebirth, but she definitely, like... I mean, she would go out on, eight, on, on, on missions with Cap. Okay. And... I don't think she like she wasn't there for the last mission when he got thrown into the ice. Right. But she had definitely like, oh, hey, you're doing something. I'm doing something. Let's team up and beat some Nazis. Was So were they romantically involved? I imagine they probably did set it that way. I yeah. mean, Mitch, what could be more romantic than beating the shit out of Nazis? I mean, this is true. no, I get it. But did, did they know that they were eventually going to have him <laughs> hook up with Sharon Carter? That's kind of creepy. So. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's the best part because it's Stan and Jack, and they did both. They they had Peggy and then Sharon, and right. it's like, what in the holy Alabama are you doing here? <laughs> uh, you know, it's tough because we got to, like, I'm not, okay, this is going to sound horrible, and I'm not justifying anything, but you have to understand what were they thinking back then. So in you the know, 50s because, or 60s, was Sharon Carter also created in the 50s? Uh, yeah, no, probably 60s, mid-60s, I'm guessing, like, definitely later. So the idea of, like, Hey, I went off to war. My, you know, my guy ended up getting killed. I married his his brother instead because his brother came back to take care of me, kind of thing. But this, it's the other way around. It's, hey, my my lady. Yeah, I mean that's honestly that's the play on it. Like, isn't there a Lifetime movie that did that or something like that? Well, I don't know. they've done that. Like, Dear John. Like, there's some kind of the Notebook, not the Notebook. That's a good movie. Well, um, uh, Pearl Harbor's kind of that way. Yeah, you know, where uh, it's like I loved you, you died, so I go to your best friend or your brother, yeah, and they, I continue they take on care life. Of me, yeah. yeah, Gremlins too. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> a new batch. Don't feed Peggy after midnight. Um, <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, like, it, it's not like, I mean, I could see if they were like, oh, it's the grandma. Well, no, that's that's a little weird. But, you know, this is supposed to be like, oh, it's her great aunt. So there you go. I don't know so, if that's any less weird. I don't know how to save this, dude. I just appreciate comics. Yeah, I okay, that's fine. Yeah, because, like, I, trust me, we've gone through this with, like, I mean, some people, you take Batman and Robin and you put that under the lens and people try to be like, oh, he's diddling Robin. And it's like, no, that's his fucking son, dude. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, the Golden Age comics, they would draw, you know, Batman and Robin sleeping in the same bed. So by our standards, we're like, what the hell? Right. By their standards, no, that, that was not the thought. Uh, Hal Jordan, you know, with, uh, oh, God, I can't think of her name, Ariza. You know, on her planet, she was a young alien. She became a Green Lantern. She fell in love with Hal Jordan. She used the ring to age herself. You know, then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, Hal Jordan's a pedophile. And, you know, but again, she's an alien maybe she is older than him just because you look younger. You know, I mean, it's one of those things like, is a rock alive? Do we not consider them, you know, like what defines these things? So, I mean, it's, it's interesting conversation. It's interesting talk. I'll run up more on it and I'll give you a better rundown. Uh, just cause I'd be curious myself, you know, like how does, like when did Peggy appear and when did Sharon appear? You know, because who knows it honestly, like I think, just because, okay, if we're talking issue 59 was when Cap started getting his own solo adventures, then Peggy appears in 77. You're talking, what, uh, 16, 18 issues. That's a year and a half. But even then, back then, pu- comics weren't always published monthly. Right. So this may be two, three years later. So since that's all injected, they might have said, hey, we introduced Sharon. And that's cool. So we can't have Captain America have a love interest in his Golden Age adventures. So we'll do the Carter Carter namesake to try to relate it back to it. And that was what they were thinking. And then by modern standards, it's like, ew, he's with her, her great aunt, weirdo. That's why you need a shield. It's not the it's not the <laughs> old thing, though. It's the, hey, keep it all in the family thing. Hey, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I don't know. That's <laughs> a good gene. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean. Peggy is a very beautiful woman. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, so. Hayley Atwell is a very amazing <laughs> yes. looking woman. Good Lord. <laughs> I'd go back in time. Uh, but anyway, so Captain America 255 is in this trade paperback. And this is the new origin by Roger Stern and John Byrne. Great stuff there. And then last but not least, you get issue 307 with a Mark Grunewald episode as he puts Nomad up against Madcap. That's right. Captain America, when he was wearing uh, his crazy costumes, he by one point was called Nomad. Uh, let's see. What else do we got? Miles Morales issue eight will be out. Captain America, the Marvel Masterworks issue 11 comes out, and that collects a lot of great stuff there. Uh, Captain America 201 to 214 plus the annual four. So this will definitely be the tail end of Jack Kirby's 70s Captain America Adventures. The New Mutants get an epic collection called Demon Bear Saga. So this will collect the New Mutants issue 13 through 31 in annual one. So I'm guessing this is probably the second volume in their epic collections. If you were a fan of Grant Morrison's new X-Men, there's a companion trade paperback that collects a lot of the X-Men Unlimited stuff that wasn't part of Grant's writings, but it took part of Grant's world. So if you want to put that next to your trades, this will be out there as well. And Demon Bear was... Is the is the story that the movie is supposed to be adapting when if that movie ever comes out someday so just just so people know <laughs> yeah uh, let's see savage avengers gets a second printing that's right it's that good oh wow uh savage sword of conan number seven will be out secret warps weapon hex annual number one will be out there so that's right if you like the secret warps world and you want more of that action this will be part two of their annual collection that create that features these characters plus a lot more so this one's kind of neat we get introduced to 
Speed Weasel. I saw that today. <laughs> yep, that's right. Uh, Speed Weasel. So that's Speed and Weasel. That's or uh, Honey Wolverine Badger. And, uh, I was thinking probably Honey Badger and uh, Speed, the son of. Oh, that makes sense. From the the Young Avengers. I right. Know. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. It could be something more. Uh, Spider-Man and Deadpool, Trade Paperback Volume 9, Event Pool. This was the uh, big miniseries that took it to issue 50, so a lot of great comical, whimsical pieces in that one. Um, Symbiote Spider-Man, Part 4 of 5 will be out. That's right, Peter, David, and Greg Land team up because there was a movie, and we need to put out books. Thor, Issue 15 is out, and this will have some huge War of the Realms um, fallout. So if you want to get more action of what's going on there and leading into the next era of Thor, that's the way to go. Now, if you want to save some money, True Believer's Time, Absolute Carnage, Carnage number one. So this will reprint uh, Amazing Spider-Man issue 361, the first appearance of Carnage. Damn, for a dollar. That's pretty sweet. Uh, and then there's Vintage Carnage, Carnage versus Venom issue number one there, reprinted from the 2004 miniseries. So those are coming at you a dollar each. Uh, Venom issue 16 will be out, but be careful. Uh, Donnie Coates has warned us on his Twitter that there's a print error. So I don't know what Marvel's going to do to fix that. War of the Realms Omega. This will be uh, definitely more fallout from the War of the Realms. Uh, I started reading this one, and it had a little, uh, a great Daredevil part at the beginning, so I'm definitely hyped for this one. Um, Wolverine and Captain America Weapon Plus number one begins. So this is another miniseries that will go back and inject a lot of history into our weapon program. So Captain America will be Weapon 1 or Weapon 0 or Super Soldier. And then Wolverine as Weapon X might be Weapon 10, but we'll see what happens there. Wolverine versus Blade Special number one. And then last but not least, if you've always wanted to own your own very authentic copy of X-Men number one by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby from 1963, the facsimile edition is out. That's right. Yes. I finally nice. learned the word. Nice. So that issue is out. And if you want to go back and take a look at that crazy book with all its crazy shenanigans, because there's another one with Professor X like, I love you, but you're my student and I can't love you. Yeah, some weird shit in those days and ages, but hey, we're probably making weird shit that people look at 30 years from now. <laughs> that's what's on your spinner rack. That's the spinner rack. All right, so we talked about it a little bit at the beginning. We're going to do spoilers now for Sp Spider-Man Far From Home because we all went and watched it, and let's let's, let's just get into it. What did, what did everybody think? I, I say, to me, I really, 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 and it's three reallys, Really enjoyed oh four, uh, the last forty minutes of that movie. Like everything up to that is good. It's 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 what I expected from after watching Homecoming. But after that forty minutes, or at that forty minute mark, essentially where uh, Jake Gyllenhaal as Quentin Beck comes out and says, "Yeah, I am the bad guy," kind of thing. Like it just gets exponentially better. That movie just gets so much better. But then, to me. The only reason you really watch this movie in the theater is because of the post credit scenes. Like I, yeah. I kind of feel yeah. like you watch this whole movie just for those post, those two post credit scenes, or I guess mid credit and in credit scene. I mean, you nailed it on the head. That's exactly how I feel too. It's kind of like when you wake up and you're kind of thirsty, and so like you're kind of in the mood for horchata, but you don't have like the store brand horchata, so you have to make your own horchata. <laughs> And then it just doesn't taste as good as you wanted it to taste. But it's okay. That's what the movie felt like to me, personally. That's that's why you come to Imagine If, folks, for 
for Rafa's analogies. I mean, <laughs> but also I might be insane because this whole weekend I also I just I was watching a bunch of like witchcraft films. <laughs> like I watched both Suspirias. I watched um, Midsummer. You did, and so I feel like I'm. This was a good movie to get me away from that. For <laughs> to a pull you away from the darkness. <laughs> so I mean, the parts that were good were great. Uh, yes. Like, can we just talk about that perfect? intro scene with the Whitney Houston song and just that high school-esque slideshow that they created of the Avengers with those low-res pictures. And the stock footage. It just reminded me of high school and it was perfect. So, I mean, like, so the high moments were really good, but the rest of it felt very much like, okay, this is kind of Peter's side story doing his own thing. Uh Jake Gyllenhaal. I mean, I... That man is just money. If okay, so if if this is the only time we're gonna see Jake Gyllenhaal in the MCU, I am super fucking pissed Same because here. he's too they, good. Yeah, he was so fucking good in this movie. Oh, so good. How quickly he go from a likable character <laughs> that that you know, like, because me going into the movie, you know, I was hoping because I mean, most comic book fans knew. Going back, he's a bad guy. He's, he, he's fucking with him. Yeah, right. And then it, but a part of me was kind of hoping that they wouldn't do that. That this was a parallel dimension version, and that maybe a different Jake Gyllenhaal, their version would come up, and he'd be the evil Mysterio. Right. Shenanigans would ensue, and then the good Jake Gyllenhaal would die or something. Right. I that was what I was hoping for. But no, that's just how good Jake Gyllenhaal is, and he plays the character so well. And then when he gets those glasses in that scene where the ta- where just that that whole tavern is just that illusion, right. and he's just talking, and what a great callback yes. to all of the people that were in the original films right. that hated Tony Stark. <laughs> so that brings me up to another thing. It's like, how many villains has Tony Stark created in the MCU at this point? Oh, God, so many. Like, uh, that is a lot. You know, yeah. the thing that would have made this movie perfect if, if, if um, what was his name? Who played Justin Hammer? Sam Rockwell. Yeah. Oh, God. So, can you imagine great. Sam Rockwell being in that room, part of the team? I mean... The first Spider-Man movie is a, a villain that's created by Tony Stark. The second Spider-Man movie is a villain created by Tony Stark. Yep. You know, only by indirect action, so to speak, for both. Um, before we get too much further, Chris, what's your initial thoughts? What was your initial thoughts coming out of the theater? I loved it. You know, honestly, it's funny. So when it was announced that it was coming out, I was like, eh. You know, like I Far From Home was fun. Not Far From Homecoming, thank you. Uh, Homecoming was interesting. I enjoyed it. Michael Keaton was great. Um, there were a lot of fun things about it. And then, uh, like, Endgame happened, and I was like, oh, shit, this is nuts. And then they started to be like, oh, well, this is going to be the end of the uh, the Infinity Saga. And I was like, oh, man. So, like, my inner comic book nerd was like, this is like, you know, just like War of the Realms Omega. You know, it's like you have the big story. It ends, then you get the epilogue issues. And I was like, oh, this is cool. That's what this movie feels like. So I was hyped even more. And then when I saw it, I was like, this is cool. Because, like, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential for the future. And there's a lot of neat stuff that could happen. So, I, you know, like, it's not my Spider-Man anymore because I'm not a high school kid. And Spider-Man is always going to be trapped in high school no matter what movies they start doing, which right. kind of sucks. But, oh, well. Um, I enjoyed it. I found myself laughing, just like... They did it. I mean, they they captured the essence of what it is to be a kid and have this fun. Jake Gyllenhaal was just charming. God, oh my God, damn, he's so, he was charming. You know, I mean, they do, like I wanted him to be my mentor. They do a little bit of manipulation because they make Jake Gyllenhaal look like 
uh, Robert Downey Jr. so much throughout this movie, so you yeah, can, you have true. those feels. Yeah. Like they they he does the manipulation, and, and then when you come to find out that he's Quentin Beck, you know, uh, used to work for for Tony Stark and stuff like that, you get why he did it. But like, there was a lot of the times when you're just like, God. Jalen Hall's so great in this. I still wanted him to win, even when I found out. Even when I knew, I was just like, God, he was so cool. Like, do they have sarcasm on your world? Ah, <laughs> man, I wish they did have sarcasm in my world. Like, it was so good. I just enjoyed it. I had a great time. Um, I, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. And he was so fun, too. I always think back to, like, the, the two times that Peter gets to talk to him. Mm-hmm. Like, the first time that he meets him, he's like, oh, you're Mysterio. And he's like, what? Mysterio? Like, yeah. Like, know, that's what our friends call, call me. You, right? yeah. And the second time, is like, Quinn is like, Mysterio. Call me Mysterio. <laughs> like, that That was perfect. Yeah, because he totally, he's just fun, like, yeah. it's a, you're you're right. You're a good kid. Like, even, even at the part where, like, we're, like, when quentin beck decides oh well now i have to kill peter he's like i didn't want to kill peter like peter's a cool kid and he just wants to be a kid but it's too bad i have to kill him now right up, boy. <laughs> so just that acting is so good yeah like these kids bloods on your hands yeah right yeah. god and then i mean can we just talk about how beautiful the mysterio spider-man fight scene was? oh they were great oh that fucking took me back dude that took me god. back to the fox Spider the, the 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 Spider-Man cartoon series on Fox yep. in the 90s man. Fuck that was so good. So good. So damn. Uh oh, one quick thing. Okay. It's a major spoiler people, but if you've gotten this far, I don't care. <laughs> JK Simmons. Yes. Oh, J Jonah Jameson is back. The best villain or side character of the Spider-Man world is back. I've missed Parker, I have missed it for so long. Like sometimes I would just go home and play a Parker montage on YouTube just so I could have Jonah yelling. I missed it, and it's back. Oh, it's so, so this is good. This is the mid-credit scene after he picks up MJ and swings around town, and MJ's like, "I don't ever want to do that again. Don't ever take me swinging." Like, <laughs> like I get it. That's funny. Um, but yeah, you have the Daily Bugle podcast show, whatever it is, VOD, you know, vodcast comes up on uh, Times Square, big screen, whatever, and it's fucking J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson again. We haven't seen him since Spider-Man Three, Sam Raimi Spider-Man Three. It, we haven't seen J. Jonah Jameson since Spider-Man Three. It's true. Uh, so who knows? Maybe in the Amazing Spider-Man universe, he could have been. J. Jonah Jameson again. He's just one of those like universal constants. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like um, uh, uh, what's his face? The guy, the, the actor who played Alfred in all four. Michael uh, Goff. Yeah, Michael Goff. Yes, yeah. played played all yeah. Alfred all those. Like even though those the are Burton, different Batman movies, yeah. he, he's still the same. Yeah, it's still that. But either way, um, oh, it was beautiful. God, so the, crazy. The, the Did man... either one of you know about this going before going into the movie? No, um, I had read something somewhere where at the beginning where they had like a Wikipedia page and it showed, you know, some of the cast people that were going to be in Far From Home and it was like Tobey Maguire and it said like taking on the role of Peter Parker. Uh-huh. So in my head going into the movie, I'm like, multiverse. Oh, oh crap, multiverse, they're going to show him even yeah, if it's yeah. a small cameo. So I was not, so the whole movie, I'm expecting to see Tobey Maguire, uh-huh. which spoiler alert, never showed up still bummed about it <laughs> that was a hard one but seeing J. Jonah Jameson I was not expecting that and when that part happened like my theater like audible gasps and people yes. were just so excited the, 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 the oxygen in the room left because <laughs> everyone went 
kind of thing in my theater. So that, that's the same thing. Did, I was so sad my like theater didn't know what the hell they were like. Looking at the guy, and I'm like, you fuck. <laughs> uh, sorry. Well, that was a very explicit word. Uh, but anyways, so. I had just, uh, and I don't watch these things, but I was sitting back on Facebook, and they're like, oh, we're live at the premiere of Spider-Man. And I was like, oh, I'll watch some people. And they're like, oh, and here's J.K. Simmons. Like, oh, well, okay, he was. He was in the other ones. He was they in the other movies. I guess they just invited him. And then when I saw it, I was like, okay. I mean, like, that was just the bit, like, because nobody dares to dream that. You don't, like, I mean, I can't even say words. Like, um, the Hulk and the, the first War Machine, can they come back? You know, yeah, are we yeah. gonna have Ben Affleck? I mean, he keeps crashing universes, so maybe he'll come back. Like, it's true. How much more can come back? This is crazy. So, I mean, I'm hyped. I'm super excited. So, I, I mean, it. You can see how they were able to keep it a secret because it's, it's literally J.K. Simmons in front of a green screen somewhere. He doesn't have to be on set anywhere. He didn't have to be on camera. Like, I mean, Shot not a from his own home. Yeah, he, they, they literally could have. They could have. He could have set up a green. Uh, blanket up in his bedroom and then just shot that because it's a virtual set thing like it would have been so easy and easy for them to keep it quiet so that's that's amazing like this is the the problem that i had or this was the question that i had like two years ago when infinity war came out i was like are they able to keep things secret is it an ability for them to keep a, a big reveal like this secret secret and it is if they do it something like this where it's all shot virtually um because how how can you get it so that like one your agent has to not say anything because that's what usually happens the agent is like puts it into the the hollywood trade saying hey my my actor is is going to be yeah Yeah. is going to be playing this character in this next big blockbuster movie and they might not be able to say what character but they usually say they're going to be in the movie but Obviously, he, you know, they were able to keep it secret, and that's fucking amazing. Yeah. Other, the other in credit scene was, eh. well, <laughs> sorry. sorry, wait, before we get to that, the big part of this in credit scene, other than the fact that J.K. Simmons is back as, is J. Jonah Jameson, fucking Spider-Man's identity is re- is revealed because yeah, of the yeah. fight with uh with Mysterio. Mysterio. They recorded all all the shit because it's all on drones and. You know they manipulated the video so it's a so that it sounds like he was willing to kill everybody, uh, and Quentin Beck was the big hero, and then uh, Peter Parker is Spider Man. Like that's fucking crazy. Like no one knows who Peter Parker is, obviously, except for his friends and maybe his teachers. But everybody knowing what what one makes me start thinking about uh, one last day. Um, is that what it was called? Uh, one more day. One more day. One Thank more you. Day. One more day or uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Like both of those is when he gets his revealed his identity identity yeah. revealed. So what does that mean? Where where are we gonna follow? Uh, the the MCU kind of follows a lot of um, the Ultimate Spider Ultimate Universe. So if we do that, does that mean in the next Spider-Man movie he dies and we get Miles after that? I say I think we get Miles, and you you put Pete away. Maybe you put him away from him. You don't kill him. You definitely get Miles because there is an audience out there that wants him. It's a smart move, but considering you just killed Tony Stark and quite a few other Avengers and other heroes, and you've taken him off, I think Pete's too new to take him off the shelf right away. But he's done six films already. I, uh, but you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, where you look at like. Like, oh, man, uh, Black Panther. 
like does that count as one of Winter Soldier's films just because yes. of that end credit blip? It does. So is that a, I mean, to us though, as movie watchers, it's like, well, that's not a film. No, it's you not. know. But on contracts and papers, it does. It's it's a film. You know, <laughs> so it's just like damn. So I mean, I guess you're right when you when you say that. It's like, well, it has been there. So I just I don't know. I I I don't say I don't say kill Peter, but I see where you're going because mm-hmm. it does follow along with a lot of the ultimate comics. Yeah, because even even the ultimate comic Spider-Man, Peter Parker, he was still in high school when he dies. Like, he doesn't get to go to college. He doesn't get to become a teacher. He doesn't get to grow old. He dies at a very young age. Yeah, very young. Uh, so, this I, I don't know. That's crazy. I don't... It's, 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 it's something to think about because I doubt we're going to get a Mephisto uh, wish <laughs> in this. I wish they could negate that from the comics. <laughs> Truth be told, well, make a make a deal with Mephisto. Maybe oh. he'll he'll make it so it didn't happen in the comics. That's going to happen. That's what, that's how I'm going to crash the challenge of the Ghost Riders. <laughs> uh, Rafa, what were some of the problems you had with this movie? Oh, wait, we didn't talk about the other in credit scene. Let's do it. Uh, Nick Fury throughout this whole movie, which it, there's a lot of clues of it, is not actually Nick Fury. It's actually Talos, uh, the scroll from Captain Marvel pretending to be Nick Fury for Nick Fury, like because Nick Fury asked him to do it. Um, there's the part where he says, Quentin Beck is not from your earth. Instead of saying our earth, he says your earth, which is a big giveaway. There's parts where uh, there's something else in there. I forget I forget what it was. but Sandwich. No, no the sandwich <laughs> doesn't come to later. No, I know, it was different. <laughs> but yeah, th- there was something, there's something else in there that, that, that was supposed to be a big giveaway that it's not actually Nick Fury. Um it's it's i thought it was a good scene uh for me when i like because i don't know when i was watching uh far from home uh one of the main things was the fact that that didn't work for me was you know nick fury comes in to be the new pseudo tony stark he's there to kind of move the plot forward and he's doing his thing right and when i was watching and i was thinking like especially the scene where he tranks um ned ned it's just like how that whole scene plays out so long and it's so comedic and I don't know. I just felt like I don't know if that's the way Nick would have. Like I didn't think Fury. Like hmm, that's, that wasn't that's a true very Fury, weird. Huh? That's a very weird thing. Also, you know, with how easy Quentin Beck was, Mysterio was able to trick Nick. Right. I like the whole movie was like Nick Fury wouldn't fall for this. You're <laughs> telling me he didn't vet this. You're telling me he doesn't know that he's an a former employee of Tony Stark. Right. Right. Like all of these parts, I'm like, ah, oh, this is kind of weird. Yeah. So at the end, I remember watching the scene and seeing him transform into a scroll. And at first, I was like, oh my god, secret invasion's happening. I'm like, oh, it's bad guys. But then they showed like, oh no, he's the same one. From he's Captain the one Marvel. from Catherine. He's a good guy. And they showed you know Nick Fury up in his spaceship, whatever. He's definitely creating sword. Like yeah. that's. So this is the problem that I have is that this scrolls are liked. <laughs> well, that that's a weird problem, but I also think in Captain Marvel they make the they make the distinction of this is a certain sect of scrolls that are right, right. good guys. You know, the rest of them might not be such such good guys. However, um, we just got done with the Infinity Saga, so as Kevin Feige calls it, that ended up being very heavily uh, galactic, you know, like yeah, spacey. space space stuff. There are other sections of Marvel. I don't want to keep going back to space. Don't get me wrong. I want to watch Asgardians in the, of the Galaxy. Like, that movie is going to be great. But that's I, good because that's the Guardians. Exactly. So they are space. So space-like. give me a give me King the Conqueror. Give me uh, Doctor Doom in Magic. Give me... Namer. Namer, yeah. You know, underwater. I mean, that would, that'd be great. I mean, we saw Aquaman did fucking over a billion dollars. 
Namer with uh, you know the MCU could possibly do it too. I'm just saying I don't want to I don't want to go back I don't want to keep going to space. Right. And I mean that's kind of one of the main questions. It's okay. So phase two or the next saga, right. what would entail, right? Right. And you know there's the whole idea of the Kree Scroll War. Yeah. That makes sense. Bringing Secret Invasion in there because I can naturally go into it. I'm okay with that. And they've already kind of done some of the heavy lifting by the end of this last phase where they brought in all of these different characters. Mm -hmm. My thing that I'd like to see that I think would be a smart move is with the acquisition of Fox, have the next saga be focused on Avengers versus X-Men. Ooh. Right? You build the X-Men universe as you're building the other one, right? Maybe continuously. But it's always going to be antagonistic, mm -hmm. dealing more with maybe like human versus mutant rights, what this new world looks like, kind of more of those internal struggles. And then you have, and so more X-Men heavy movies that are in this universe that ultimately culminates into an Avengers versus X-Men, kind of like first part, and then the second part can be... I don't know what what would be a good Avengers and X Men. I don't know. Well, like I, and see, I like that. I definitely love that. I want to see some X Men exposure, but I want to see some Fantastic Four. Like, I want to see them exploring how the Earth is a danger. So, like, boom, Mole Man. You know, so it's like, yeah, say a giant sand creature comes up, and everybody's like, oh, that's probably just a drone. That's some bullshit left over from Mysterio. Nope, that's one of the big goblins that lives in the Earth. You know, the the oceans are attacking. That's Namor. You know, and Doctor Doom is there orchestrating that, and he's like, look, the three of us will form our own alliance and go after this Earth. And it's like, oh shit, threats from within. You know, and what a great way that you get all those characters: the Fantastic Four, Doom. Namer and Mole Man and you put them in there I think that would be great and you know and I love that I love what you're talking about that like I think it would be great that it leads to Avengers versus X-Men but I don't want it to lead there the way the comics did I want it to be like by an un like a, a by a bad choice like say something happens where you know like the X-Men come in and they save the day kind of like a second coming thing but then it's just something like hey there's a politician who just really hates mutants and See? they they do something to side with it just because they're like, well, we're not political. We don't care. And then the X-Men are like, it's kind of screwed up, man. You well, didn't see, back us. That's how I, what I would do is I would do, I would adapt uh, Marvel's Civil War, the actual like comic book of how that was, was done. So school blows up and all that. Well, no, I wouldn't do the school blow up part. Uh, you would definitely do a big, oh, I would do a big part of uh, like mutants caused a big event. And then all of a sudden, well, now we need to register mutants. Like, cause we didn't do the whole register thing with the civil war and the MCU. It was, true. it was all the Sokovia accords. Like yeah. you either have to, you know, work with the government or you don't get to be a superhero. Now it's gotta be, if you're a mutant, you, exist, you, you have, have to register, you have to register yeah. and then you're going to have, you're going to have some of the Avengers on one side and you're going to have some of the Avengers on the mutant side, but then, you know, that kind of thing with the mutants definitely being on one side. I dig that. I could see that twist and that'd be fun to play with stuff. Like what if Hawkeye's daughter, she's a mutant. Mm. Bam. Fucking, I'm not standing for that stature. She's, she's a mutant because of all the exposure oh, to pin they, particles, yeah. you know, you do some crazy stuff like that and yeah, that'd be fun. Like there's, there's definitely like, I definitely, I want to see more earth stuff. Cause you're right. I feel like the space stuff definitely got heavily played. You can still visit it with the guardians of the galaxy as guardians of the galaxy. What if but that I was the next, what threats. was that? What if that's the next guardians of the galaxy movie? What if they're, they're all um, like earth or earth uh, locked? What? No, what's that called? When, when you can't, when you're locked in, in a place. It's okay. You understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 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 What if you, what if they were grounded? You know, what if they're earth grounded? Like they could. Oh God. I would love to like, see them interact. I think that'd be fun people. just because how would the world react to Rocket Raccoon? Or you know? Groot. 
Yeah, Groot. Uh, you giant know? Walking well, tree. can you imagine like because okay, Groot's first appearance he predates. Yeah. Everybody like he's before Fantastic Four, so he came to Earth and he tried to conquer it. He's like, I'm tired of my trees being enslaved. So yeah, you have him show up at you know Dunder Mifflin and he goes nuts. You're like, what the <laughs> hell is this? <laughs> Uh, okay, so you know that that those are our grievances with the what what could be happening in Phase Four. Should what were any of your grievances with this movie in general? I thought it was just like a, it was a fun film. Uh huh. But besides like the ending to credit scenes, I feel like it had no real push into anything. I did appreciate what they were trying to build with the whole Tony Stark. Uh, Spider-Man dynamic and how they're trying to say like, oh, here's all this pressure because they want me to be the new Tony Stark, but then Happy makes it apparent there's never going to be another Tony Stark. You got to be the next you. And so there's a lot of that building and, you know, we don't know how much longer we're going to have Tom Holland in this universe. It's true. So, I mean, I don't know if it's worth it. And the other part also is, I mean, this movie felt like it was like, oh, fun road trip movie with superheroes thrown into it. Um, Knowing, expecting the twist with Mysterio, I also didn't give a shit about the elemental monsters. Okay. And I was just waiting for that part to get through so that we can get to this next piece. Mm-hmm. So those were the parts that didn't really work for me. So one of the things that I want to say about that is like the the one thing we don't have with this Spider-Man is the Uncle Ben connection. Like we see he has the suitcase that says Benjamin Franklin Parker yeah, or whatever. BFP. Um, But we like... Because it's this big mandate of we don't uh, that the internet set that we don't want to see the origin of Spider-Man again. We don't want to see Uncle Ben get killed. Like I get it, people got tired of it, but I need to at least know that Uncle Ben got killed. I need to know that. Okay, so people are saying at this point that Tony Stark is the new Uncle Ben. Tony Ugh. Stark dies, so Peter is has to grieve that like he would have grieved Uncle Ben, and I, I say. The grieving of Uncle Ben is not the important part. The important part to Spider-Man with Uncle Ben is that he had to learn that lesson that he could have done something which would have prevented the death of his uncle, the person that he loved, the man that raised him. Um, Tony Stark came into this Peter's life much later. I mean, he came into his life, took immediately took him to Berlin to fight other supers. Yep. Luckily, it was good guy super, so no one was going to kill anybody. Yep. But War Machine ended up crippled. Like, he ended up uh, a paraplegic. Like, what if that would have happened to Peter? I mean, how do you explain that to Aunt May when you bring her when you bring him back? Yep. Okay. So, Tony Stark end, ends up dying at the end of Endgame. What does that teach Peter? That there's no lesson there. There is... There's no... it With great power comes great responsibility. Yes! Tony did make a sacrifice because he had to to be the hero. And I'm not taking anything away from Tony. But he's not Uncle Ben. He's not the selfless man that would have raised Peter. And that's why I kind of think you get in this far from home. Um, Yes, there are many times in Spider-Man comics where Peter has given up being Spider-Man. Spider-Man no more is a big thing with him. You know, uh, suit suit in the trash can kind of thing. But he wants to have this vacation and he doesn't want to take his suit, right? He wants to just be a high school kid. And to me, that's the biggest evidence that there's no death of Uncle Ben in this world. Because he knows that he can help, but he's trying everything he can to not. 
if yeah. that makes any sense. No, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, oh, I see it. And, and I completely agree with you. The only way that I would kind of work against that would be, but this, I feel like this Peter also knows that there's more qualified people Okay. to, to save the world. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe in that sense, I could see him being like, okay, these elementals, well, even the first thing that he says to Nick Fury, right? It's like, why me? Where's Captain Marvel? Where are the rest of the Avengers? Mm-hmm. Like, so that's the only way that I could see it maybe not being, but I, I, I get what you're saying. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Because even that Peter would still be, well, you know, I, I am a super. I, this is my responsibility. Right. So, I mean, I get that. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like, it doesn't feel like the message of Ben Parker is there because he's willing to, like, walk away from it. And if anything, you ask the question, what did Tony Stark teach Peter? He taught him to live his life. I mean, that's what I felt like, you know. No, you're absolutely right. When, when the snap or the blip, whatever you want to call it, happened, Tony, you know, was like, hey, man, you get nothing from me. He literally hands Steve his heart and walks off. Mary's... Uh, 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 Pepper has a child and lives a life. And, you know, obviously when Pete comes back, you know, he read up on that. He wanted to learn what happened since I've been gone. And it's kind of like, hey, you know what? I don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose the woman I love, which is Mary Jane and stuff like that. It's not so, Mary Jane. It's well, it's, uh, it's MJ. MJ, that's that, right. That's another thing I have a problem with. Yeah. And so, I mean, I just, I felt like, yeah, like, I'm not saying we have to have the whole Ben Parker thing, but it'd be nice to know that it did happen. You know, like, because I, I think they did allude to it a little bit in the bedroom scene with Pet, with Peter and Tony when they were talking. And he's like, well, somebody, you know, I forget the exact phrasing, but it's kind of like it was like, OK, that's the illusion. Yeah. To it. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. It had no impact because he's obviously outgrown it. And it's like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. I'm famous. I have an Iron Man suit. Yay. And that's my biggest thing. Like, this kind of goes back to I think we talked about it here or maybe at the round table. Like, that's what I hate when they put those guys in those suits, because now it's like, well, then build one for happy. You know, build one for Aunt May and let them just be safe all the time. You know, I get it. It's nice that we have those nice little memes that are like, well, he couldn't put the whole world in a suit, so he put those that he loved in a suit. That's great. But if you have the ability to make all these suits for everybody, then why the hell are you not mass producing them so everybody can be safe? You know, like it just opens up a whole thing. So like part of what makes Batman, Batman and Spider-Man, Spider-Man is their abilities and powers that they use, not the fact that they're running around in armor. You know, so I just like I kind of. I kind of see that. So if anything, like going back, what did Tony teach him? I just think he taught him, hey, live your life. And that's kind of why, you know, Peter was like, all right, when we're on this trip, I don't want to be Spider-Man because it's too costly. And that's not a Spider-Man thing to think. No. Um, yeah, so the whole MJ thing, I don't care that Zendaya is, is MJ. I just want to know, is is she MJ? Is she is she my Mary Jane from the comic books? Or is she Michelle that just also happens to go by MJ? Like, is there going to be a Mary Jane that shows up later? That's all I need to know. Yeah, that would be nice if they'd answer a question instead of just kind of like, maybe. Because, <laughs> like, Rafa and I were talking before we started recording. Where did this relationship come from? The two of them are already in love with each other by the time this movie starts. When did that happen? Yeah, the end of the, Homecoming. Yeah, right? the end of Homecoming, they're, yeah. they're kind of, at the most, indifferent to each other. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have any eyes for her, really. And even if it, she does, because she does follow him around. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's very apparent that he's after um, the uh, the other lead in Homecoming. Yeah, yeah, Liz. Yeah, and so then like, the beginning of this movie, I mean, time's passed and all that jazz, and all of a sudden is like, yeah, we're going on this trip, and I need to tell MJ how much I love her. And I'm going to give her a ring or a, a flower or the, the Black Dahlia or whatever. Yeah. It's like, 
Where did you get this? I mean, okay, fine. You got money, I guess. Yeah, and but. I can suspend my disbelief. I can be like, oh, you know, they're teenagers. Hormones work that way, and yep. it could have happened off screen. But, I mean, if people are going to be judgmental of <laughs> Batman versus Superman and tell me that when it's not told to them exactly, it's <laughs> bullshit, then I think this is bullshit, too. <laughs> yeah. My other, my, one of my other problems is that uh, this movie goes through so much, so, jumps through so many hoops to be like, hey, audience, we know we didn't show you him having spider sense in uh, Homecoming. Here the, it is. The only time that we've seen him have a spider sense was essentially Infinity War because yeah. at the beginning of that, on the bus, his his his, his, his hands up. And I can I can sit here and make the argument of there's a giant spaceship in the middle of the uh, of the middle of the sky. Static electricity is gonna be going crazy. That could just be that. Yep. But at the end of Infinity War, when he's dusting away, you know, everybody's like, oh, well, he says I don't feel so good because his spider sense is going crazy. Okay, fine, but yet we still don't get us. He doesn't call it a spider sense in this movie. He calls it the Peter Tingle. Like we, he, his spider sense is taken away in Homecoming by Karen, which he doesn't even have Karen anymore. Like in his new suit that he makes, doesn't there's no Karen? Yeah, he just ditched it. He ditched it. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like they went through a lot of trouble. His spider sense obviously is going to be a huge uh, uh, ability when fighting um, Mysterio. Yeah. Obviously. Like it'd have to be, but I don't know the way they handle the spider sense in this. It obviously isn't powerful as it is no. in the comic books. And I think they made that mistake, and I think they realized that they had a retcon. Well, they had to fix it, and so they kind of gave us the Karate Kid version, where it's like when you throw sand in the eyes and they can't yeah. see, it, right? <laughs> so it's not like okay, I'm in this situation, and now I need to use my Peter Tingle. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I think it was mismanaged. Anybody? Anything else? No, I agree with that. With the spider sense, like I really wish they'd handled it better. Mm-hmm. Like I, because it's one of those things where it's like that's a great power of Spider-Man's, and that's what always saves him from Mysterio. Like the fact that I can tell something's happening here, and it did. It made me sad that like there was no point where he was kind of like. Ah, gee, I don't know, Mister uh, Beck. I don't think I should go with you, or maybe I was, shouldn't give you those glasses. Wasn't there a, a recent issue of Spider-Man where, like, they depict his spider sense and like how, like, even walking down the street, like he has yeah, to, like eating ice cream, it hurts him, so he knows he can't. Yeah, like yeah. it's on all the time. Yeah, they had. That. I think that was in the Spectacular Spider-Man by Chip Zardaski. Okay. I think so. It was. Yeah, I think it was during that run. It's like. It's a good point because, you know, we do things that do hurt ourselves. So could you imagine if you have the spider sense notched up to like 11? Damn. Okay. Well, uh, if there's nothing else that you guys want to talk about that movie, we can talk about Mysterio. Yeah? All right. Let's do it. Let's jump so into the comic book Mysterio side. was introduced into us into the MCU through this movie through Quentin Beck. Uh, in the movie, he is a ex-employee of Tony Stark and Stark Industries. He created the... Behavior analysis reflection something barf. barf. I, forget, I forget what it was. What all the actual words were, but it, you know Tony and his you know greatness of coming up with acronyms like on the spot because Edith is even dead. I'm the hero. Yep. Uh, this is barf. Like um, Quentin Beck, the scientist who created the hologram yeah, system. My legacy doesn't want to be very pissed about yeah. that. He doesn't want to be known as the guy who created barf. So uh, the day, the next day after that, I guess he got fired apparently. Um, but uh, he uses that technology to create these illusions that are making people see elementals. Along with, I don't understand if there was drones before he got a hold of Edith or not. 
but they are causing his illusions are causing destruction. So uh, this is a departure from the comic book version. Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah. The comic book version has him as a X FX. Uh, oh, he's an FX guy. Yeah. So originally he just kind of sat there and schemed, and he's like, you know what? I could totally re uh, reimagine the powers of Spider-Man with my special effects and props and then commit crimes as Spider-Man and I'll make money. Oh, even better. I'll create a superhero that'll take Spider-Man down. So I did like the fact that the movie sampled that part of his origin where mm-hmm. they're like, okay, let's have him be a hero. He's going to do bad stuff. He's going to cause all this stuff and he'll be the one to come up and clean it up later. So I thought that was really cool. But yes, you're right. He was an FX guy and it was like, yeah, I can, I can definitely do this. Uh, and truth be told, I, I read it today and in his actual first appearance, it didn't. I don't think it specifically stated he was an FX guy. He just could create stuff. So I think they kind of embellished it a little bit more throughout time. But yeah, he was definitely good at building these props. You know, the the jets, the the boots that could uh, jet out the the gas, so that way he would be all like ooh misty, <laughs> and then st- the magnets on him, so he could stand on the side of the bridges and you know trick Spider Man into thinking he was flying and whatnot. So what was his first appearance? So his first appearance goes all the way back to Amazing Spider-Man, issue 13 by the great team of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, and this was brought to us back in June of 1964. Wow. Yeah, so he is like issue 13, so the the Spider-Man book is finally over a year. Uh, He's one of the original villains, you know, one of the OGs there, Uh, part of the Sinister Six as well, so yeah. And what I loved about looking at that was that, you know, looking at that timeline or back then, a lot with a lot of like the wonky character designs that you know became iconic and they built on Mysterio even back then looked really really cool oh yeah no he's such a he's such an interesting uh character design cuz i mean it's like you got this whole um fishbowl look you know all these different types of things to it and he kind of like i mean I, you could definitely tell Steve Ditko had a hand in designing him cuz there's a lot of doctor strange elements you know, like you just look at it and you're like, all right, this is really cool. So, yeah, I definitely appreciated that. I, I think his design, and you can tell it's classic because it's withhold. I mean, for the most part, the costume looks very much the same. Yeah, yeah. 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 Even the, the movie version of the costume, they, they kept a lot of the same looks and stuff like that as the comic book version. Yeah. So, uh, with his first appearance, you, you explained that he was trying to be your, he was trying to make it look Spider-Man like, yeah. And then, yeah. Set him up, set him up, and then come in and turn around and save the day. Uh, Quentin Beck isn't the only person to use the name Mysterio, though. No, there's been quite a few. Um, I, I was looking at that too, like I was, I was seeing on his uh, his Wikipedia. You've got Daniel Burkhart, who eventually becomes Jack O' Lantern, also. I guess so. Yeah, so that makes sense. Um, Spider Man, or sorry, Francis Klum. From Spider-Man, Black Cat, the evil that men do. But that's a mutant that has actual powers. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel like, because that was written by Kevin Smith, I kind of feel like maybe that was a way for them to backdoor Mysterio in Daredevil. Like, kind of, I need to negate what I did, because Marvel already negated it. So Uh maybe there was some play there, because there really wasn't that. That was a very short-lived Mysterio. And then the last one, Mysterion. 
Avenging Spider-Man number 22, June of 2013. I imagine that character's probably had a total of like three appearances since <laughs> being created. So that was just something to do to do. Now, one of the biggest stories with uh, Mysterio would be the one that he ends his life on, right? Yes. So this is one of my favorites, and uh, I was shocked to share with these gentlemen that they haven't read it. Nope. So you need to do yourselves a favor, listener. Uh, Daredevil, Guardian Devil. Read it. Uh, it's Kevin Smith's first foray in the comic books. It's the comic book series that actually saved Marvel Comics from all the horrible choices they made in the 90s. So I believe it. <laughs> oh, no, seriously. They bankrupted this, themselves. Was this the Marvel Knights? Yeah, this is what created the Marvel Knights, okay. which is the branding that saved Marvel. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, it's like after they bankrupted themselves, it's like, hey, Rob Leefield and Jim Lee, they'll save us. <laughs> Heroes Reborn didn't last Now, long. is this also <laughs> what the third season of Daredevil was about? Guardian mm, Devil? No, that one gets a lot of confused with Born Again. Born Again. Okay, and yeah, right. so they, they definitely play with that. No, Guardian Devil Guardian Devil's huge. Um, it, so just jumping into it, I hope you guys don't mind spoilers. No, go for it. Spoilers for a story that's almost 20 years old. <laughs> uh, Karen Page was killed in that one. Correct. So basically Mysterio, and this is crazy. Because he's dying of cancer. Who thinks that Mysterio is a daredevil? Oh, Kevin Smith. (laughs) That's the only person, you know. Um, But yeah, Kevin Kevin Smith. Um, Mysterio finds out he's dying. I think he was cancer. And he's like, holy shit. Okay, well, I don't want to die of cancer. I'm too cool for that. I got to end on a big note. And then he discovers that Spider-Man is a clone. He's like, what the fuck? This whole time I've been fighting my greatest enemy and he's a clone? To hell with this. Who else can I ruin? Daredevil. So Kingpin totally gives him information. And, oh, dude, Mysterio is such a dick. Like, he totally tricks Karen Page into believing she has HIV AIDS. So then she tells Matt, and then Matt and her have a huge fight. And then this baby appears, and this baby is either the second coming of Christ or the first coming of the devil. And Matt Murdock is responsible for taking care of this baby. Devils and demons and angels and whatnot are coming and attacking him. Daredevil almost throws a baby off a ledge. Seriously, like this is all in the book. Like this is by issue three. It was nuts. Mysterio puts him through a fucking ringer, and then he can't just end it right there. No, he's got to get a you know one of his greatest actors to come play. Boom! Bullseye shows up. Straight up kills Karen Page in a church. So finally, like Daredevil's had enough. You know, he he figures out the situation, discovers it's all Mysterio, goes after Mysterio. He's about to do it. He's beat the shit out of him. He's about to kill him. And Mysterio's like, yes, kill me. Kill me. Do it. And then finally Daredevil's like, no, fuck you. I'm not going to do it then. Walks off, and you see a gunshot in the background. Bam. Mysterio blew his head off. And he's like, what the fuck? Like, this was the craziest Mysterio story ever. <laughs> and, I mean, yeah. Like, the, <laughs> do you do you feel like Mysterio has ever gotten to that level other than this before? Uh, insanity? No, no, just like uh, in 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 big picture wise. Like to me, Mysterio is one of the sinister sticks, but he's not one of the big sinister sticks. I mean, yes, he's one of Spider-Man's rogues galleries, but he's like the Rhino. He's just the he's he's committing a bank robbery. Spider-Man has to come in, use his spider sense. Crack the fishbowl and then he's done. Yeah, it kind of does get defeated in that Mister Freeze way. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's where it's like, like he's got a, potential. Yeah, low priority. Whereas it's like you see Green Goblin, like oh, Green Goblin like level threat. Whereas with it's Quentin Beck, it's like oh damn, it, I have to deal with this. Guy. I can finish lunch. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's more like an inconvenience than a more of a damn it. To me, I think back like that level. I think back to uh, Old Man Logan. 
and the reveal of him being yes. one of the main bad guys that was recruited by Red Skull to trick Wolverine into killing the X-Men. Which I always had a problem with. Like, how does Mysterio's illusions trick Wolverine's manure truck in the background? Yeah. That, that is how good he is. <laughs> He's not that good. That's Have you because not we seen, don't know. That was Jake Gyllenhaal behind it all. Okay. <laughs> and that just master craftsmanship. Well, now I'm in. He tricked <laughs> uh, <Hugh> Jackman. <laughs> so, yes, that was the other... That's another big... Like, that's another. not even a Mysterio story, but that's a big... Thing for Mysterio, oh, the credit to his. Yes, yeah, his there stuff. you go. Well, th- that's the thing, and, and and that's what sucks is. I think he's a great character. Um, this is I revealed to these two before we recorded. Like Chameleon is my all-time favorite villain. I think he's the best favorite um, villain, or not favorite, favorite Spider-Man. Sp- sorry, okay. favorite Spider-Man villain. Um, I think he's the best. He he can do a lot of great stuff. And again, it's that extra power that helps the spider sense. You know, that's what really saves the day. Um, so there is precedent, but unfortunately, you can't make those guys too big. Because I would love, I mean, if I ever got a chance, I would write a fucking story where Mysterio and Chameleon just drive Spider-Man insane. Like, they take him to the edge and they throw him over laughing the whole time. Because they do, they have so much potential. But you can't play it because when you put him in the Sinister Six, you've got five other villains and a hero and side characters to still write. You know, when he does appear, you can't just be like, oh, well, he's this powerful because Spider-Man's got to beat him in the end. It can't be that the Fantastic Four show up and like, oh, let me just throw out the ultimate nullifier. Ha ha ha. See you later, Pete. You know, Pete's got to be the one to do it. And I think that's what holds him back. That's why when he does get used in the other parts of the Marvel corners, he becomes that much more of a grand villain. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. How does he get away with tricking Wolverine's sense? Like, you cannot, the sense of smell, you cannot. The way they describe it in the Marvel Universe, you know, it's like it's just too damn powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, messing with Daredevil's radar sense. You know, Daredevil can see when somebody walks in and, you know, like when they showed the angel, he's a big-looking guy. I think it turns out it's a robot. Daredevil would have been able to tell that. You know, he would have been like, I could hear the, the diodes going on inside there. or He'd be able to sense the hollowness, not the human proportions. Right. So, but it's great that he's able to do that when he messes with other characters. You know, it's just a shame that in the Spider-Man comics, they don't give him that huge love. No. Because I tried to think, obviously, when we record this stuff, like, what would I recommend? What are some great stories? And outside of the first appearance, there's not much. Like, I'd say it's it works when you watch, like, the cartoon or the movie because his powers are that theatrical-based. Mm-hmm. And it's great when you see that the whole you're in the darkness, the costumes are changing, walls are shutting up and opening over. I think that's great. It's hard to convey that in the comic, you know? So I just think... He's a great villain, but he's not a great comic book villain, if that makes sense. No, that makes great paper. sense. Because, yes, the, as Rafa said earlier, the, the fight scenes with Mysterio were fucking amazing. Like, all this different different stuff, like Spider-Man not being able to trust what he can see. He yep. runs into walls. He gets hit by a bu- uh, train. Like, all that stuff is insane. But yeah. how, do you, how do you portray that in, in a comic book, like, and give it justice? Um my first, my honestly, my first um, introduction to Mysterio would be the Fox '90s Spider-Man TV show. Um, after that, 
playing Spider-Man on the PS2, the one that was based off the Sam Raimi movies. Yes. Like you had Bruce Campbell do the voice of Mysterio, Mysterio. and he attacks you in the middle of a convenience store and his you see his health bar like fill up three times. You're like, oh crap, how am I supposed to fight him? You hit him once and it all goes down because he's <laughs> a dude with uh, illusions and stuff. And you're like, oh. Thank God. Yeah. So <laughs> I forgot about that. That was that, fun. Yeah, yeah. that was, th- those, those are my introductions to him. So it's, it's interesting to hear about um, Guardian Devil and how much Kevin Smith just trumped up this C-level villain, like yeah. to a point where he was he he caused how much damage to Daredevil. Like, yep. I mean, even Frank Miller, you know, he turned Karen Page into a cocor, and you know, it was like okay, but Kevin Smith came along using the instrument of Quentin Beck and like fucking killed her. She's still dead. She's like, still they there. didn't bring her back, and I totally thought they did. I was going to be like, oh, with the success of Netflix Daredevil, they're going to bring her back. It's only a matter of time. Fuck <laughs> no. But they brought back Mysterio. He's oh, back yeah. from the dead. Wasn't yeah. there one time, wasn't he like a spectral, like a ghost-like version? They've played with that, yeah, where he was very much like, ooh, let's go a little demonic with him and yeah. stuff like that, and he has that power base. Um, he popped up in the Ben Riley book for a little bit there. Yeah. Uh, so they were kind of alluding to, like, yeah, having him some – like hellish ties. Oh, was, like wasn't his with the devil? And wasn't his daughter in the Ben Riley yeah. book? Yeah, yeah. She even herself was like insanely powerful as well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, anything else you want to say about Mysterio? On my end, not necessarily. But wait, what was your first introduction to him? My first introduction, same, was the Radioactive Spider-Man '90s TV show. Uh-huh. Um, he was just a really cool-looking dude. I, I thought he was an alligator man at first because of all the green. Yeah, uh-huh. my job was a kid, and then from there, it's it's just he was just one of those villains that stuck with you. Whereas a lot of Spider-Man's villains are animal-based, right? Because mm-hmm. right. you have like the scorpion and all these other rhinoceros, whatever. <laughs> Mysterio was just, he was different. Well, he's and a he was different enough where I could like, this is a cool one for sure. He's the fishbowl head. He, oh shit, you're right. <laughs> Aquaman's afraid. He's the fish man. No, no, you're right though. He obviously doesn't have a animal motif like a lot of yeah, I mean, the yeah. vulture, the the the, the uh, rhino, the, the shocker, rhino. Oh, the shocker oh, no, scorpion. Scorpion, yeah. Um, God, it's funny. We could name vulture. these all the times the minute we got to do it now. Yeah. We got vulture, kangaroo, grizzly, Frogman, Armadillo, Bruce Willis. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've always liked Mysterio as a character. I always thought he had the coolest for sure. Like He, he was the coolest designed one before, you know, I got my hands on like Venom and Carnage. Um, and the, the toy recently came out with Marvel Legends and it was great. It's one that I've been wanting for the longest time. How does the toy deal with the fishbowl head? It's, um, it stays on, but when you look into it, there's like an outline of like a of a skeleton face oh. with like a weird tentacle coming out of it. Oh, cool. so like it's it's like beneath it, it looks like something else is in there. So oh, it's that's pretty cool. cool. And now um, I haven't picked up the the movie version of the Marvel Legends toy, but the original Mysterio looking cool with all of also all of the cool sigils and yeah, iconography. It's just really that, yeah. really cool. But I've always found like that pagan ass shit to look cool. So I think that's always part of it too. And uh, Chris was like, I mean, you were obviously reading the comic book and stuff. Did no, honestly, I'd say I think my first my first introduction to him would probably be the Menace of the Mysterio that episode we're talking about. Okay, because uh, I loved that Spider Man cartoon, and I mean, growing up, comics 
we're not like it's funny when you think about it because nowadays i mean you can go there's websites that host everything uh you can download you can go to youtube and see you know animation or animated versions of these comics and stuff like that but back then i mean a marvel masterwork was huge the Marvel Masterworks and the DC Archives programs, those things were huge. They'd come out like 8 to 10 to comics, and it'd be 50 bucks. You're like, I can't get any of those. I'm just a kid. And, you know, maybe they would do a reprint that you could find on the cheap. But, again, trade paperbacks and hard covers were not as rapidly produced as they are today. So to see the origins, it was rough. It was rare. So, yeah, the Spider-Man cartoon was the perfect thing. Why? Because it's the start of a Spider-Man universe, and I'm there at its genesis. And that episode with Quentin Beck and being the Mysterio was fantastic. <laughs> I loved it. And like I said, I guess that's why it's hard when you look at Mysterio in the comics because you can't do those those special effects in a comic book that way. Like, could you imagine if they did like a 3D book with Mysterio or not like a pop-up book? Yeah. Like that would be probably the coolest way to try to do that. Like release a comic book that's a pop-up book and we don't tell you where anything is and you've got to figure it out as you read. Oh shit, there's my million dollar idea, mm -hmm. you know? But uh, it's so hard to put them in 2D. And no, when you put them I, in I that. agree with that. And I mean, you guys make a really good point about the Spider-Man Sam Raimi video game, which I unfortunately didn't get to play. I played three Spider-Man games growing up. I was the original one on PlayStation. Oh, that was so was good. Great. I played Ultimate, Ultimate Spider-Man. I didn't play that one. Ultimate Spider-Man was a lot of fun. Okay. And then the new PS4 one, which is perfect. Yeah. And mm -hmm. if you want to get some more of that J. Jonah Jameson podcast, that's where that originated from. That's true. Which Ooh, is awesome. Yes. I, 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 heard, so, I heard people talk like, in the last 12 months, we've had three great outside of comic books, Peter, or not Peter, but Spider-Man stories. We had Into the Spider-Verse, PS4, Spider-Man, and this. Yes, it has been perfect. And so now I'm just, I'm waiting for that DLC that maybe, I mean, it probably won't happen, but I can't wait for Mysterio to be put in that game, whether it's in the sequel or DLC, because if we got those dope-ass Scarecrow like levels right. in Batman. But with Spider-Man oh, and Spider-Man and Mysterio. Oh, that's going to be awesome because in the video game, there is there, there, there is a there, there is that kind of a scene. I'm forgetting now specifically what villain gasses him though. Because I don't, I don't remember Mysterio being in the video game. Was it Green Goblin maybe? Did he gas him? Because I know he loves to. It wasn't Green Goblin. Was it Hobgoblin? It wasn't Hobgoblin. Was it Jack-O-Lantern? It was somebody. <laughs> Some, don't they also have a scarecrow? Yeah, there is a Marvel scarecrow. <laughs> well, somebody did, and like it's cool. No, Doctor it Fear. Was, it was it was Scorpion. Scorpion got him oh, with his venom, uh, and so then like there's like this level where everything deteriorates, uh, and you're on like this weird level, and like you're trying to find the real Scorpion. So I mean, they kind of already did it, but with Mysterio, it'd be way cool. Oh, yeah. it'd be so much better because actually that you pointed that out, it's like wow. That's a huge missed opportunity because that was one of the big things of, I think it was the Batman Begins video game when they had those levels with, you know, oh, the Scarecrow. Arkham, Arkham Asylum, Well, yeah. even before that, oh, Batman like when they really started, game? yeah, they, oh, it was a horrible game. But back then you were just like, this is so much great fun. Uh -huh. And they would play with that where it's like, hey, let's do a level where the Scarecrow gasses you. So when you push left, you're going down. When you push up, you're going right. Like they would mess with the configuration and the stuff you would see and things like that. And it's like, damn, how do you not do that with Spider-Man? That'd be great. Yeah. So a burning question I want to ask real quick before we before we cap off. Who is your Batman rogue equivalent? 
to the scarecrow. Do we? Or sorry, not the scarecrow. To I was gonna, to Mysterio. Do we agree that's the scarecrow, or what do you think? I mean, the scarecrow would be for sure one of the first options. If I have to go through this rogues gallery, there is film freak, but he's not as cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would say that Scarecrow is probably my best equivalent. Um, I can't really think of who else would, would, yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. I just, honestly though, I think like just analyzing through everything, I think honestly Scarecrow is the best because he does that. He loves to screw with your mentality, with your sanity. He loves to like go for the heart, you yeah. know, because like that's just what you do. You you put your enemy, you drive them to madness and it's so much easier to beat him because again, a rhino yeah, he's a big motherfucker. He's dense. Quentin Beck is a guy in a fishbowl. So that's why he's like, I got to be able to take down a radioactive Spider-Man. It's true. While in this crazy green suit with a purple felt cape. <laughs> okay, th- th- that's one thing I want to talk about before we wrap up. So what did we think of uh, MCU versions of, of this suit? Like, uh, obviously, the fishbowl itself is nanotech. Like, like um Tony Stark's outfit yeah, or Tony Stark's thing yeah that we see yeah uh, but the rest of the suit is real because that's you see the lady having to sit there and steam clean it it's and true. stuff like and that it has the two yeah. versions the one that's steam clean and the one that's that's just a ho- action well that's yeah. the hologram yeah the hologram comes with Edith kind of thing I don't yeah. know if that was if that oh. you know if it was or not but um, yeah that that was a obviously they they were able to make just the hologram version of the stuff but. I loved when they did the motion capture stuff when he was just hanging out, like when he's controlling it from somewhere else and you have that bowl on top of his head and it's it's like, oh man, that's the perfect thing. It's like, that's the perfect way to update justify this ca- character and up and justify that. Yeah. yeah. It's practical and it makes sense and it's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the fact that it goes back to Ditko. It's his art. Mm-hmm. Um, because at some points, I, I was kind of waiting for Spider-Man to be like, do you know Doctor Strange? You know, yes, I was waiting yes. for that because even when he would do like his little hand things, you know, you I was kind of like, the, okay, the, yeah, the, those the weird triangles little triangles and, and so, yeah. stuff like that. So Which, I was like, oh, well, Doctor Strange has circles. He has triangles. You know, later on, we'll see somebody with squares. But that didn't make any sense to me either when the, the Ben character. No, not Ben. David, I don't know the guy that's trying to go for MJ throughout the movie. When he sees the Mysterio up on the on the TV, he's like, "It's a mix between Thor and, and Iron Man." I was like, "Wouldn't it be more of a mix between Iron Man and and Doctor Strange?" Yeah. Like that makes more sense to me. But yeah. I'm not the one writing. And that's the true <laughs> crime. <of all> <laughs> that is the true crime. So. Yes, uh, the suit I thought was a great homage to the comic book version. You can see where they made changes, but it's okay because uh, it's updated. It's, it's it's something that looks great. That's the one thing, like, so kind of jumping to a different topic. Um, the MCU does a great job of, of updating, and but also paying homage to the suits of, of certain characters and stuff like that. Right, right. Those leaked pictures of what the people are saying is Taskmaster on the Black Widow, like that doesn't look anything like Taskmaster. So why would they do that to him? Like I, I know it hurts me a little bit more because I'm a big Taskmaster fan, but like, why? Well, it's one of those things. Again, we're seeing stuff, you know, leaked pre-production or yeah. I don't know what the proper, you know, before they CGI it up. Yeah, um, and people like that, that's a hell of a jump. Because honestly, as I rack my brain, I don't really know of that many interactions of Taskmaster and Black Widow. Right. I mean, they I should they should have more. They but should they because don't. He's, yeah, he's a I merc mean, and she's an assassin and, and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but it's you know we live in the age of clickbait. You got to put something out there 
before it's confirmed and I, just try to do, 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 do. I'm still hoping it's Abner Jenkins. It's it's Mach 5. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping. Uh, I'm excited for more new characters. I want more of the MCU up there. So, yes. Um, if anybody has an opinion on Mysterio or Spider-Man Far From Home that you'd like for us to know about, we'd love to hear you. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-M, G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. Chris is also on Twitter as... Stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. The rest of... Or, I'm sorry. Rafa is also on Twitter. You can find him at... Mobile Rafi. Uh, also, make sure to check out Chris's writing at... Oh, so yes, I do comic book reviews and some opinion pieces uh, on Geek Elite Radio and also at Adventures in Porte. So if you want to check out some more of my writing stuff, please. And please it's do. good. Read uh-huh. it. <laughs> Learn. And then go over to YouTube and, and see... Check out Rafa's YouTube channel. I mean, if you like toys, if you like listening to the sultry voice, I mean, it's me all day, baby. Dude, no, I gotta say, I've watched your videos. You like to to you have so much excitement. Oh, I have so much fun. You have so like I can tell. Like I watch these and like I can be feeling down, and I watch your video, I feel a pep up. Like thank, thank you, you for that. That man. means a lot. Thank you. Well, you can just find me on Twitter. I am Match at Mitch PG. And you know what? Mitch always brings me a smile. Go go follow Mitch. Mitch is the glue. That makes all of this work. Mitch is the big Papa Pump of Geek Elite, and without him, nothing would work. So pump it up. Go pump some likes into his feed. Because uh, Mitch is on that sweet, nasty love. Like your 365 movie challenge, I enjoy that every day. Oh, I'm like so great. being exposed to a brand new movie that I probably, I mean, Christ, I don't see movies unless they're in a the theater. <laughs> so it's nice to get to live vicariously through that. That's true. <laughs> well, thank you. You get to watch the movies I don't want to. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, the rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geekleetmedia.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Media Network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geek Elite Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.